service you right just so when you touch down And take off the uniform, the bond you form Never look warm and that's why we on the dismount So you ain't gotta re-enlist to hang out No need to be on your feet, but please pay attention To Charlie Mike on the mic and let's get reconnecting Here on Dismount Spell you fire from the fire team on Dismount Spell you fire from the fire team on Dismount Veterans and focuses up here on Dismount Howdy. What's up, Battle? Hey, you're Howdy. quick as always. <laughs> I'm on point, got that coffee. Yeah, it is. Oh, well, you are a couple heads uh, hours ahead of us, so I still got like that groggy kind of rumble voice going, so... Get it's that no big caffeine deal. rolling. <laughs> I am. I am halfway through my cup. Welcome to Dismount Podcast. Another uh, Meet the Fire Team. I'm glad you got time to knock this out. I know you're busy schedule. That's always great. Yes. Oh, oh man. Uh, where to start? Where to start? So we do kind of the basics. I'm, I know you've heard some of the other guys do it. Uh, kind of lay out the foundation of how the military, the, the thought of the military came into your your bubble. And kind of just run with with little things that people might not might not know about you, if you like. Absolutely. Um, so how the military entered my bubble is uh, I'm really into genealogy. I, I feel um, tradition is important. And okay. uh, you look at our history. We've got some pretty impressive things about our, our country that I think a lot of people have forgotten. I don't know if it's curriculum or just, you know, people just not really being interested in it anymore. But. Um, my family um, tree has um, signers of the Declaration of Independence in it, presidents, things like that. Wow. Um, and so we have always been freedom fighters. We've um, always believed in we're libertarians. Our family are the, the true sense of being libertarian. And I'm not being political. I'm just saying that, you know, the, the true sense of the word of having freedom and experiencing freedom and uh, fostering that freedom and its continuance. And so the military was just something that every single member of my family um, has always pursued and continued. So, wow. Yeah. That is, that is impressive. I, I, uh, I'm more concerned with looking at my genealogy. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, so I don't know what I'll find. Uh, but that's, I think that's important. I think times kind of change and, and whatever seems to be, it's almost weird. I don't want to call it a trend, but you know, in our in our younger years, there's definitely something else that took precedence in everyone's minds. Um, yes. The generations before us, kind of thing. So that that obviously dictated what we were influenced by. But that's well, that's that's pretty wild. How did you, if you want, yeah? How did you discover that kind of stuff? Like, what? How do you go about finding that? I know there's a couple things now, but back well, then. Like, you know, what's interesting is that I thought everybody's family was into this kind of thing. I thought everybody's family wanted to know where they came from. It, but, but really what I learned is that our family was just really into it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have been tracking it on pen and paper um, for over generations, generation to generation, passing it down a- along with the documents and family, wow. mem- family members taking up that, that scribe and continuing it. And um, then when it became uh, digitized and put into uh, information systems and databases, then we started tracking it there. And then when it started becoming um, where you could send in for a DNA test, um, I was the first one in my family to do that, to pick up that torch. And every and it, what was interesting, what I really liked and was really telling, very objective, you know, quantitative, was when I had put in that information into um, these databases and submitted my permission to do that. Thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was able to actually, you know, quantify it and make it solidified. Like everything that we had passed down over the years, um, was true. And so, wow. yeah, I was able to connect myself to people all, all over the world and all across the nation, um, and to be able to trace their family trees back to the same people. So it was pretty cool. That is that is impressive stuff. I think we we find a lot of value in finding out where we do come from, good, bad, and different. I know uh, our our little ones are oh, our oldest over here is really fascinated by that stuff, and you know maybe she'll get to the point where she does that. Uh, 
<clears throat> but I've you're probably honestly the first one who a has brought that conversation up uh, in 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 a discussion, and also that that seems to be just something like you said your your family's really really into it. And I think that that allowed you to carry that on because you know we we tend to pick up certain habits and traits from our family, and it mm-hmm. seems like that investigative side of really wanted to learn what you're made up uh, is, is what carried that through. So anybody in that line really impact you when the time came to make that decision to, to join the military? Cause I know you'll start describing it right now. I know you didn't go into just one branch. No, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm guessing a glutton for punishment is what I tell people. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, my, my grandfather, um, on my mother's side of the family, they were, um, well, on my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, my maternal grandfather, um, both sides came from, um, some of them are pastors and reverends and, um, they're usually pastors and reverends, or they are, um, people who served in the military, um, and played key roles. Um, and so I'm also a member of the daughters of the American revolution, which is a, which is a really difficult, um, process but once you're through it it's it's very rewarding because you're part of a community of people who've all had verified ancestors um who either fought and survived or fought and gave their life or paid the ultimate sacrifice for our what we have as american freedom what we get to experience and benefit from today wow um and so to answer your question on my um grandfather my mother's father's side my grandfather i grew up with Um, just constitution lessons um, and what that means and lessons in patriotism. And and it wasn't a school subject. It was just something every grandkid, every child was, that's just part of our family culture. We were required to learn it and have discussions about it. And, and they were uncomfortable discussions because you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to have those uncomfortable discussions with your kids about what it means to truly protect and defend freedom. So I didn't realize I was doing anything exceptional. I just figured I was doing I was doing my duty. <laughs> you're, you're like, this is normal. Not, not every nine year old goes through this. No, That's... no, <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently not. Well, that guess... that does speak to your character, uh, definitely. Yeah. So I have a, a very good family. They love. Um, you know, I've had I have had a lot of rough um, things in my past, but. The things I choose to focus on, and I think that goes for everybody, is to focus on the things that your family did well. And that was something that they did very well. And um, so I just decided to um, join the, the Navy and follow in my grandfather's footsteps. Um, I ended up joining the Navy first, and that's a wrap as far as when and why I joined. Wow. That's, that's quite a detailed history just before. I mean, I, in comparison... To, to sum up the same amount of of experience, it would have taken me at least double that time just to kind of graze a lot of that pass down <laughs> and everything else that you went through. That's that's pretty that's pretty hefty. <laughs> I can but but uh, again I can see kind of how that plays towards who you are now and and there's there's obviously a bunch of people who you influence and and touch in their circles that really benefit from from that history and that character that you've been able to build from that background. That's Thanks, battle. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know what? I, I've been very fascinated to, to learn about my fellow battle buddies and veterans is not so much all the accolades that, that we accomplish and all the, the missions and all the, the combat and everything, because that there's a bunch of us out there. We all have it. What, what surprised me was the non-military things that we, pulled interest from and yes. and a lot of things end up benefiting us in, in some way shape or form in or out of the military is is there any do you have any like hobbies that people would be surprised of i know some of them i just kind of see which ones <laughs> you're bringing about um martial arts i think is the big one um mainly because i keep that very personal um i do share it on a limited basis it's not something you know that you that I feel needs to be advertised on the scale that I see a lot of my, and, it, and it's not a judgment call that I'm making a statement. I see it. I have a lot of friends who advertise that and that's okay. Um, I'd rather keep that more of a personal thing. I do talk about it and network with people who are like-minded in the martial arts industry um, and within the, the profession, so to speak. Right. Um, but, you know, martial arts has always been 
um, a life-saving force for me, um, having gone through some of the uh, very trying times of my past. Um, and it, it kept me, it gave me mental resilience. Something, yes. something that you have to really learn and build. It's probably the toughest uh, skill you can, you can learn to have. And that is to build that mental resilience because that's where it all begins and ends is in the mind. And uh, martial arts also gave me an, an avenue and an outlet to be able to direct some of those negative things in a positive direction. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that is something that for those who don't practice any form of martial arts or have never been exposed to something like that, even at a younger age, those are, those are definitely key benefits. We, we realize later on in life mm-hmm. or, or as yourself, you, you keep it very close to you. Um, I like that you do that. And I know, I know what level you're at on it. And I like that you're very humble humble about it and very selective on when you bring those conversations up. Well, thank you. Cause you know, unfortunately I think that we've, we've, uh, we live in a culture now where it's all about showboating. And uh, for me, you know, when people say, Oh, you're this or that, I'm like, it, it does make me a little uncomfortable because it, I don't do it for those reasons. I do it for being a positive influence on others, anti-bullying um, mainly because I've been, uh, uh, you know, subject to that. And so what I want to do is take those negative experiences and help empower other people to be just as good as I am. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that um, we shouldn't be afraid. And that's what martial arts taught me. We shouldn't be afraid that we bring someone up alongside us or even have someone supersede us, do, do a better job than we do. Yes. Whatever, <laughs> whatever we're destined to have, we're going to have. So it really shouldn't be a contest. I, I, that's what martial arts taught me is that there's no contest. There's enough room for all of us. There's always going to be someone bigger, better, and badder than we are. Um, and so martial arts taught me that you, this isn't for everyone else. This isn't for the accolades of everyone else. This is for how you can build yourself up as a person and be a better person and contribute to society. So that's that's what martial arts does it, in the true sense. <laughs> that's what it's supposed no, to be. I, I agreed. Outside of the the competitive nature of it, the, the the physical athletic challenges of that and everything else, there is those those core lessons that uh, can be overshadowed by a lot of the more mainstream uh, appeal to it. Correct. Ah, that's um, you don't need to get into like any any kind of tournaments or anything else on that. I know you've got a bunch of so many projects going on right now. (laughs) Um, I, I, I was, I was fascinated to learn from uh, one of our other battle buddies that they did like, like marching band and stuff in high school and and certain things when they were younger that looking at the individual now, I would have never known (laughs) ever out there. Um, It's, it's, it's just, it's fascinating that, that people have these, these hidden little, traits to them that isn't that great uh, i love that about people yes exactly and and they surprise you even the most hardened individuals who who just you know you look at them and they're like man they're they're successful successful they're they're badass they're they're just top performers in what they do and then surprise they know how to knit <laughs> yes <laughs> wait exactly. you know how to sew and knit and crochet yeah and why doesn't it everybody i'm well, like the baddest crocheter ever right and like, there's just people like like uh you know they they collect puzzles and they build them they have like a little room where they they mosh pause it and they, they it's art to them like all these fascinating little things that are can be distractions or, or just like a creative outlet that that you sh- you share with only yourself like mm-hmm. that's that's amazing that people have that stuff um what direction was I going with that? I, you know, honestly, I, I, I'm kind of a spaz. And <laughs> I think you were going to ask, do I have anything like that? And <laughs> do you collect stamps? I mean, you know, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I did. Um, but uh, I'm a big comic book collector. Um, no. Yes. I'm a big comic book collector and I'm a comic book artist. So there's, and that's something I don't share with a lot of people. So I used what? to, yes, I used to draw. Um, okay sketches um more of a sketch artist that i'd love to be able to do what some people have the talent to do where they can create their own but i kind of just am one of those individuals that i learned and this is again from my mother um who taught me never envy or be um, frustrated that someone has a talent that you wish you had instead take the talent that you do have and learn to love it 
And um, so what I did is I started uh, sketching um, just different things uh, from, they used to have those little uh, comic book cards. I, they still do, but back in the day they were bigger. Yeah. Um, and you would, and I would just take these cards and I would collect them and I would pick which ones I wanted to sketch. Um, so that's this little secret thing that I don't share with many people is that I collect comics. I draw them. <laughs> so what? No. Yeah. I, knowing you, I, that is still something that would, would surprise me even after knowing. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks. It was wow. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's fun to watch a blank piece of paper turn into this animated work of art. Um, and I've gotten away from it a little bit over the years, but I've started to pick up that pen and paper again and, and do it. Um, I've always been um, a, a lyrics and a song creator and a poet. So it's kind of like bringing that artistic side out um, and taking a blank piece of paper and bringing it to life, which I just find to be absolutely fascinating. So it, it is definitely magical. And I mean, a lot of us have a little more time on our hands than we normally would. And I, I obviously would love to encourage people to do the same thing, uh, even if you can barely manage a stick figure. But, you know, uh, I like that you said that. My mom said something to me once that was really just adorably cute, and it was so honest and so real and so true. And um, I was a kid, obviously. I, you know, we have no filter <laughs> when we're kids. And I saw this man dancing, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, what is he doing? And mom goes, don't do that, Ash. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, don't do that. She said, let people be who they are in the raw. Don't make fun of them. And so that's why to this day, um, you know, if you remember back at the unit, if somebody did something that was completely legal and lawful and well within their right to do, you never heard me say a word nor make fun of them. When everybody else was sitting there razzing them, I kept my mouth shut, <laughs> you know, because the way that I looked at it was, is that, hey, if it's not hurting anybody and that's true to who they are, then let them express themselves because that's true to the First Amendment, freedom of expression. Yeah. And uh, my family is all about that. Like they don't believe in um, infringing or social influence against something that is someone's freedom to do and practice. And so I like that you said, you know, allow yourself to just pick up a piece of paper and even if it's a stick figure, you know, <laughs> and, and be proud of that shit. Rock that shit. Put it on your page. I mean, yeah. You know, why not? Um, that's why when you used to do a lot of your paintings, Frank, I was just I was I was floored. And in awe, <laughs> and you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I really like it. I was like, How can you not like it? It's beautiful. I mean, it's what you did. It's 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 you, you know. So yeah, totally. Oh, giving away my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been asked if I was going to do something like this, and uh, I'll be honest with you. At the moment, I don't see myself doing any kind of discovery discussion with me. Um, but painting was and still is a, a a great passion and a good outlet, though. Definitely kids have taken over most of the painting and that's all right i like watching them mimic and 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 find their own their, their own path on that it's it's been amazing just to I, i've become a, a a sort of observer of life lately is kind of where i'm at isn't that nice that's a nice place to be it is it's strange years ago if you were to ask me what i wanted to do or where you saw me in 10 years which i'm gonna ask you in a second how in the world do you answer that question? Because I never know. But I would never see any of this coming. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Yep. And um, you know what they tell you when I joined the Army, one of the things that I remember hearing that I thought was so fascinating was I remember my drill sergeant saying to me, um, you know, Jordan, uh, every soldier's a censor. And I'm like, man, what, what do you mean every soldier's a censor? What in the hell is a censor? <laughs> yeah. And, well, it's a person who gets information. And I thought, well, how is that cool? Like Marines have every Marine as a rifleman. Why couldn't we have a badass thing? Yeah, you know? it's weird. But, <laughs> but um, I learned later that that is pretty badass to sit back and to um, be able to collect information and be that information source. It's almost like being in, a, you know, your own built in intelligence officer. You may not always have all the answers. But to be able to sit back uh, and observe and to gather that information for someone else, that's a pretty hefty responsibility. So um, over the years, I started to really appreciate what the Army was actually trying to teach us. And that is every soldier's a censor is quite the responsibility and kind of badass in its own right. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically what you're saying is that you sat back and 
collected the information and then whoever needed it, you pass it along. It's, it's a very admirable, honorable thing to do. Well, shit. Now I hope everybody in the <laughs> army is now after this, cause that that's new to me, but it makes a lot of sense in like a dozen flashes of moments in life right now. That's, that's heavy shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> now, now after this, I'm just going to be like, what can I absorb to pass on to Eddie? You here. Come here. I have everything for you. Come here. I've observed something. Take it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I, I, that explains why I like sitting in the back of the classroom when yep. we're doing instruction and stuff and I fell asleep and whatnot. I do push ups and, and take great notes. It's, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> You're funny. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, PT session in the back there. Five minutes in, I can't keep my eyes open. Do you need to get up? No, no, I'm I'm gonna go do some push-ups. I'll be fine. <laughs> my goodness, you know, you said drill sergeant army, and and that caught my attention because your prior service. Yes. And I don't know the time because I've never really had to look into it. I don't know what the time frame is between service times mm-hmm. and and from branch to branch that you would have to go back did you go through boot camp again or did you have to do like some kind of MOSQ nope, I went back to boot camp again <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm jealous because I would do it me right too I, I really yeah. enjoyed um, going back to boot camp again um, and you know what, what I found very very striking is that I really got to learn the difference between the missions um, for okay. camp you know um, and that's not taken away from those guys who did the blue to to green where they just had like an orientation like mini boot camp that's not to take away from them right but um it really is different when you go through the actual orientation initiation kind of process with boot camp and actually go all the way from start to finish you become a a soldier you go through you get to earn that title and and you guys didn't understand that at the unit why i was so proud to have earned that title and I took it so seriously. I, I remember when we were doing the resiliency briefings and I said, you know, this, that's a, an amazing thing that you earned the title of soldier. I mean, live by it, you know. But the reason was is because when you've gone to two boot camps and you've had to earn a couple different titles and it was not easy. Right. Um, you know, that's something to be proud of because not everybody can do that. Not everybody was born with that ability to be able to do it. That in and of itself is a privilege. And um, when I got to go through that, that, uh, ar- you know, go through the army boot camp the second time around, meaning the Navy was first, the army was second. Right. Um, it changed the way I looked at each mission and it gave me a very deep respect for why <laughs> there's such a disconnect. I was married to a Marine once and um, he used <laughs> to make these, he used to make these little jokes and comments. Oh, the Navy, this, the Navy, that. I said, well, how do you know? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, how do you know? Were you ever in the Navy? And he goes, well, no. I said, then how do you know? <laughs> how do you actually know what you're even saying is necessarily true? And why does one have to be any better than the other? Why? Because society says so or because your daddy said so? I mean, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and I just really had a, a deep respect and from having that experience that, you know, it's okay when you're inner service to have inner service jokes and give each other a hard time. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. When, but when the rubber meets the road, one could not function without the other. All is important. We'll see how it goes with the space force. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I don't. You know, they're Another like the, day. Yeah, unfortunately, they're like the redheaded stepchild right now until we know more about it. But the point is, is that even they are going to have a role, a key role in this process as we um, transform into a bigger, badder military organization. So, of course, that is yeah. that is the frontier we're going for. I'm glad you brought that up because it um, it does kind of inli- align itself with some of the future projects we're working on. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, we we did uh, a boot camp style uh, session with with the guys prior to you you come and come on board and finally join us because you had the other uh, back end stuff going, and that actually sparked the the thought of let's get you know air force in here let's get each branch but it i was really focused on getting those individuals who went through that actual boot camp not someone who prior service went through and that's fascinating to me that you even though you're prior service you actually went through the process and you can attest to the fact that there are stark differences to to those missions and and how you earn that title because somebody who transitioned from one branch to another you know army to air force marine to army 
most times they're considered just prior service or you acknowledge them as a Marine or et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And not so much like you're saying, like where you did earn that title as a soldier. And I, I, I know that I saw the difference when I met you. Mm-hmm. Cause yes. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that you were prior Navy. I no. knew you were prior military. I just kind of leaned in with, well, maybe you were army and you took a break, did some stuff, went to school or whatever, and then came back. Right. So I had already o- always seen you. Yes. And you know, I, I am army all the way, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I have such a great love and just, you know, and, and it's funny because I, I love my, I love my fellow, when I say fellow, I mean, I'm not that I was ever a Marine, but the point is, is that I love my fellow Marines and sailors and soldiers and airmen and coasties. I love them all. Um, you know, even though I give them all a hard time, but I love them all <laughs> because I actually had the really unique privilege of working alongside them in uniform, every single one of those branches, every single one. With the Navy, I had the privilege. I was a waterborne patrol coxswain. I was actually um, certified as a riverine coxswain. Um, not a lot of people know that. And I don't even know what that is. And my inner <laughs> child wants to giggle because the Navy always has very interesting. It's always topics. semen and coxswain and stuff. Like, hello, <laughs> like, what are you guys trying to say, man? I love it. Say it like six times already or three without <laughs> giving a beat. Well, yeah, without even skipping oh. the beat, right? Like, I'm just so brainwashed to it. What can I say? I'm programmed. Oh, that's fucking but, funny. But no, when I would do that job on the waterborne patrol, I got to work with the uh, Coast Guard and got to learn a lot of their customs and courtesies. And the, and I had to integrate with them alongside them for, for example, the G8 summit, which is that it's that international. It's a big deal. People don't realize what a big deal that is. If anyone doesn't know what a G8 summit is, feel free to look it up. You'll see how huge that is. Excellent. And, um, yeah. And um, I got to work alongside um, the Coast Guard when I was in the Navy um, doing those waterborne patrols and really got to learn a lot more about how those two, the Navy works alongside the Coast Guard and why the Coast Guard's mission had changed from the Department of Transportation all those years ago to the Department of Homeland Security. And during times of war, how the Coast Guard would fall under the Navy at certain key periods in our nation's history. And we don't give those guys a lot of credit. Oh, no, um, we give them none. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm guilty of that, too, because when, when you said Space Force, I was like, oh, poor Coast Guard, another branch that's going in front of them. <laughs> I, I know I'm taking shots. I, I get it, but I, I had to say it. Had, they, uh, they're a mystery to me, and I know they've got some elite guys there and everything else, and I would love well, to one day learn a little bit more about them. I'm bringing it up. You know, I'm bringing it up because I feel like um, – those are the, those Coast Guard, those Coasties, those sailors that are listening um, and actually, you know, feel like, well, maybe they're the, the stepchild. I know what that feels like. Um, you know, I was in the Navy for a while and, <laughs> um, you know, and when I'm working um, on the amphibious roles, I was with Marines a lot. And so you kind of felt like the stepchild of that situation. But um when we're looking at uh, what everybody does in their mission, I was really blessed. Like I, I tell people all the time, I'm, I am, I, I don't know what I did to deserve being blessed to serve among and alongside my own personal heroes. They are um, yeah. all of them, you know? And then when I was in the Navy, obviously got to work with a lot of the Marines and I love them. I was a, a contractor for the Marine Corps for a long time in between oh, wow. my chances of service. So I got to train them. I was a project manager for one of the largest, um, uh, information systems as far as training with headquarters marine corps out of quantico and then um also the uh having the opportunity to train them right there at their their uh, their grounds they're at um they call them hollywood marines but they're not <laughs> <laughs> mcrd san diego i got to yeah train a lot of marines there beautiful place beautiful location stunning marines i love driving there yes and they and they do a great job um Marines are top notch when it comes to training and in a lot of other ways. And so I was just blessed. And then the army came along in my life and um, I got to have, I got to experience what it meant to have true camaraderie um, before, during and after service. um, Thanks to the army and being able to kind of get in that battle mindset where you don't get a lot of that, not as much because I would know (laughs) that you get in the Navy, you get a lot more of that mindset um, in the army, you really understand that combat psychology portion of it and how it plays a key role, you know, in each each branch's mission. So, yeah, I didn't mean to ramble on, but it's no, it's no, awesome. no. Well, no, that that actually brought up the next part. I, I, I wanted your your 
kind of observation on it or, or maybe just the way you would be able to explain the all-inclusive battle buddy that you get issued and and the the many more that you acquire <laughs> like pokemon sorry <laughs> in your yeah. time in, in the army like i it's it's still weird and foreign to me when I I talk to someone in a different branch when I, I mention like a battle like that you obviously get it but they're yes. what the fuck is a what's a battle I'm like oh I don't know what to call yours so well you know here's how I here's how I look at it um, when you're in the navy both both um, sailors and marines they're your shipmates okay especially if they serve alongside you gotcha never never does a sailor say that unless you're a corpsman call a Marine, uh, a devil, a fellow devil dog or a devil. Okay. That's, that's kind of what their affection, their term of affection for people who have gone through similar experiences or are willing to be in the trenches with them. That's reserved for that reason. It isn't about being, um, you know, narcissistic. It's about being proud of, of a shared experience. And right. so there's that. And then obviously the army is, it's about battle buddy. It doesn't mean that you necessarily go to battle together. The fact is that you're in the battle in the trenches at all times with one another, whether it's a battle of the mind, whether it's it's like physically you're there at a location or a drop zone or deployment or a detachment. Um, and then or you the have VA. right. <laughs> it, the Air Force is, is um, they refer to everybody and it's usually an officer or a high ranking NCO. When they when they talk to the troops, they say, be a good wingman. Not not everybody's an aviator, obviously, but everybody right. helps out with the aviation mission, and that's where that comes from. And so, okay, um, that's so that kind of explains that, just in a nutshell. And the coasties, um, they really are they are sailors, um, but they call themselves coasties. Um, and I don't know, I can't really speak on that on a personal level, but I can say that their missions, although very similar um, to the Navy, they're very specific and. We always talk about the National Guard, obviously, the, the Minutemen, the, the amazing people, that the very first branch of service that we, we have in the United States. Yes. But and as amazing as they are, if we didn't have Coasties, <laughs> we'd be in a, a heck of a lot of trouble. Um, their mission is so vital to our safety. We always talk about, oh, the men and women of the, the U.S. military, and nobody thinks about the Coasties, when, and unfortunately, as a general generalization, but they're part of that group Yes. where they protect our our borders and it's not just uh you know tsa and customs and border patrol it's if a coast guard was not there we would have a lot more um problems going on right now so we have them to thank for a lot so i that's that's in a nutshell as you asked for me to explain that's what yes does. yes and and you know it's funny that you you bring the coasties in in the way that you do because in reality we all know if we don't have a secure space to operate in, right? Borders and whatnot. Mm -hmm. yep. um, we all have our we, we can't do what we get to do. And the fact that sometimes the Coast Guard gets overlooked reminds me of some things we used to do as far as like security and, and maintaining a, a safe area for others to operate in. If mm -hmm. no one understands your purpose and what you do is a mystery, oftentimes you're doing it right. If well, yeah, we'll give you another example is the quartermaster corps. That's a great right. example. Yes. <laughs> without them, we wouldn't have anything to be operational. And without them, um, you know, people can make all the digs they want. They can say, oh, well, that's like the difference between combat support and combat, and then logistics and then all this little pissing contest <laughs> everybody has. But bottom line, oh, so this person deployed and got a combat patch. This person didn't. Well, let me ask you a question. Are they part of the 1% that raised their right hand? you know, took an oath to support and defend the constitution of the United States. If they're part of that 1%, their role mattered. Period. Exactly. So yeah, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> no apologies needed here at all. This is, this is all about you and, and getting uh, inside shot of your, the inner workings of your mind and you as, as a whole, as a person, instead of just that title of veteran, like that's, that's hopefully the main goal for us to do this, to introduce the team get a little feel because each one of you guys have a very stark personality in comparison to everybody else. You bring a lot of different things to the table, but it's those tiny little, little things about you guys that really sparks my interest in the whole team. Nuances are fun, aren't they? They are. They are. And, and I, I was guilty of, of having that mentality for a brief moment. Where I was like, Oh, we all are. this, this <laughs> that you're not lying platoon. You're not out there, you know, 
in the shit, then you know, don't don't look at me. But I mean that that didn't last too long. I was humbled very very quickly. Um, so what you're talking about is a difference between respect and acknowledgement. What yes. combat veterans deserve is acknowledgement, okay, and respect. And what other veterans, whether they were outside the wire or not, deserve is respect and acknowledgement for each individual's mission and call to duty. Period. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I don't. It's something right. we we overlook. And, and right. I'll give you one thing that you can kind of play off of. Um, you had mentioned martial arts, of course, and I had my fair share of that. But what I want to pull from that is, I've known my martial arts instructor, my, my, my sensei for, since I was little. And I still call him that by that title. He still operates and does his stuff. And it wasn't until I'd say maybe five years ago that I learned right. he was former army. I was blown away because never once there, there was never a hint of that ever, ever at all. Like the way he carried himself, I thought it was all towards martial arts, very quiet, very respectful, with a, a very, very professional. But when he told me he had served four years and got out and the time frame that he did, it was almost not so much. There's probably a better word. Maybe you can help me out with that. Not so much like being ashamed of only doing four and not being in a conflict. But, you know, I, I was very concerned by that because I know there's other people out there who feel like, they were in uniform, but if they didn't see combat, well, that, it, I think it that didn't has matter. to do with culture, and it has to do with um, the time frame to which you serve. Um, but bottom line, if you're a post 9/11 veteran, or I mean, any, I always hear the people who talk about the peacetime before, during peacetime. You know, oh, I didn't do much. I always hear them say, "I didn't do much." While I'm honored by their humility, I'm also feeling a little um, right. frustrated that they are not willing to acknowledge that they're part of that one percent. So, what I always encourage people to do, if you don't want to be a part of demeaning someone's self-esteem and demeaning someone's service and you don't want to be a part of the problem but rather want to be part of the solution so i always tell people you don't want to be part of the, the 22 a day problem in other words that you're the person that goes out there and makes right. a person feel less than if you're the kind of person who feels that it's so important to demean someone else because of what they did or did not do what they have or do not have because you had different experiences then you really are part of the problem um, because you're in you're insecure, you feel like you have to elevate and it's a tale as old as time. That's, that's what separation is. That's what characterization, putting people on different, um, uh, well, I'd say different levels of importance um, and segregation is really all about. It's about making one group of people feel more superior than another and it's about bringing the other down and at the root of that is insecurity and fear. So if you're proud of what you've done and, and that's yes. okay, be proud. There's nothing wrong with that. Talk about it, be who you are, but likewise be proud of your service because a, there are a lot of people out there who wanted to serve. I always hear vets making fun of dependent wives and I always hear vets making fun of, um, you know, people who didn't do this or that and, or they never joined. They always said, well, I was going to join. And the thing is, is that we don't know that person's story. A person is, so there's so much to a person's story that if you just shut your judgmental mouth for five minutes and got to learn all the things that they've <laughs> actually gone through and all their contributions, those things mattered. I had a friend recently reach out to me and um, I was basically respectfully telling her to stay in her AO um, about, about something because she wasn't a vet, <laughs> but she had shared with me why I had every intention on joining and she just gave me her backstory. But then I reminded her, I said, listen, you are a nurse. And this is before this pandemic. I said this before the pandemic. Um, right. Now it's all common knowledge because that's the popular thing right now. But what's, what's, what we should have always felt like is that those people matter and are important. Who cares that there's pandemic? They're still important before and outside of it. Um, they're always important. <laughs> what yeah, they do for everyone exactly. is so self-sacrificial that it matters all the time, not just during a pandemic. It's, of course, heightened and, and more urgent, but it's always important. And I reminded her of that. I said, I don't go into your AO and tell you how to do your job because I have a certain level of respect for it. So really what we're looking at is a matter of semantics. We're looking at a matter of semantics. Um, staying within our own AO, within our own mind and being proud of our own individual experiences without taking away from the experiences of others. Yeah. That's well said. Well said. 
Yeah. And I, I, I hope that others out there and, and I don't want it to limit it to, to veterans or service members in time of peace and, and, and times that, that lack that high tempo, but anybody who has really signed up and put themselves in a position where that can be at any moment changed. And even if, uh, you know, you found yourself in and just before conflict came out, you, you came out, like you still yep. wrote that blank check. And I, I hope a lot of people understand that, like you, even if you didn't, you were already willing, like a lot of us who, who joined in a time of conflict, we had a very clear drive and reason to do that. We we're very passionate and emotional about that. And that's what pulled us in there. But those people, I have a different view on them because those people said, Yes, without knowing and there was the a, potential. You're absolutely right. Of, there, and of, there's always going to be those knuckleheads out there that they confuse op tempo with service. And yes. civilians who have opinions yes. who, you, you know, well, I have a friend that was a SEAL, so, you know, he's more badass than you are. Well, you got, you, I had a, a good friend of mine whose brother felt it was important to, to tell me, well, you only had two years of service and you didn't go anywhere and you were in the Navy. I was like, you don't know me at all. Of course I did. Uh, definitely didn't wasn't just in one branch of service and I definitely didn't just stay at home and not do anything I did my part um, and I definitely did a lot more than two years I've actually had almost 20 years of government service under my belt and here he was making <sighs> a blanket, he was making Gross. a blanket statement <laughs> like that so people are going to believe what they want to and that's that's the key takeaway okay you can't control other people's thoughts and this feelings is... all you can do is know the truth and be okay with it yeah, exactly. It's it's been such a journey lately, reconnecting with everybody and fellow vets and really hearing their stories, and not not the ones that are mainstream popular. I like that you you brought up that it seems to be a trend when 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 discussing service or or even if if someone acknowledges your own service, there's always that chance that they bring up that family member who was a seal or a ranger. It seems to be. I was like, wow, how many how many family members do these guys have? And are are, this, are they the same ones? Like that's that's always been well, that's kind like of a thing. Of, I have a, that's like saying I have a. Who are a, these people? You know a, you know we don't know what it's like. You and I are not are not black men in America. We're not black women in America. So we can't say right. I know what it's like to be these people in America. No, we don't. We have no clue. And then it's the same kind of insult. Well, I have a friend that's black. Well, I have a friend that's gay. Well, I have a friend that's <laughs> handicapped. I have a friend that's. You know, that's, I think, the thing that I'd like for everybody to start realizing is that just because you can relate doesn't mean you can be or be in a position to understand it first person. Just because you, you observe doesn't mean that you understand what it's like to go through an experience. So that's what I mean. The difference between respect and acknowledgement. It's OK to acknowledge and it's OK to yes. respect what you see, but you're never going to be able to really truly understand on a first person level what it's like to be in their shoes. See, I've been a dependent wife as well as a service member. I've been both. <laughs> that is, that's not too many people have that. Well, I, I'd say right. more often now. And that is, that's probably been a very interesting so role I, in I life have, to and play. My husband at that time, uh, he deployed to Iraq and he deployed on Westpac and he would send me videos and the height of the war in Iraq of him being in a bunker. And I'm like, why are you sending this to me? This is horrible, you know, but he was just trying to get, he was just trying <laughs> to keep me informed and enlightened about what was going on, which I respected and appreciated because he was treating me like a shipmate because I was in the Navy at the time and not a, and not just a wife that may not understand what's going on. And I, and you know, to be that person and to under, to be on my hands and knees praying every night, paying his bills and still having my own duty um, as a sailor at that time, it was right. a lot to juggle, a lot to manage because we were in a nation at war. And I was not only a service member myself as a part of the, the warfighter mission, but I had a husband that was in a war zone and his life could be taken at any moment. But I still had to focus on the mission and I still had to focus on my own stuff. And so I feel bad for those dependent wives that not everybody's a Jody. Not everybody goes and hooks up with a Jody. There are some really good women out there who get lumped yeah. and good men that are her dependent husbands who get lumped up into that category. Do those things happen? Of course. Does it hurt? Yes. I've also been that yeah. person too. <laughs> but the, the thing <laughs> is, is that if we miss all the good stuff and focus on all the bad, we create a subculture of um, discrimination. 
And I think that's kind of what, you know, you and you're interviewing me. That's what I want everybody to understand is that I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you. I meet you where you're at. I know that your sacrifices, I always tell the families, thank you for your service, you know? And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, thank you for your service. Without, I always say, thank you for your support. When somebody comes up to me and says, thank you for your service. It makes me feel funny because I don't feel like I've done enough. I think all vets feel that way. Right. Um, because we have battle buddies that we've been. Yeah. <laughs> those are the ones, those are the guys I've always felt That's like true. need the thanking are the people with the purple hearts and the injuries, but there's also those invisible injuries. And so when people are telling you, thank you, it's their way of saying, I acknowledge and respect you. So it's back to that again, full circle. And so then I always yes. say, thank you for your support rather than feeling funny and making them feel funny. I say, thank you for your support. And then I say, well, do you have family in the military? They always say, yes nine times out of 10. And I say back, say back to them, well, thank you yeah. for your service and how you supported my, my fellow servicemen and women in uniform while they were serving their country. And there was, they always kind of look at me like, really, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> important, Frank, because we have to recognize that when a nation is at war, there's a lot of moving parts. There are those civilian entities um, that help support our warfighter mission. And likewise, there are family members who have to sacrifice like children and wives and husbands and, that, and parents, my gosh, um, who send their loved ones Yo, to the front yes. line to be our people like me and you, our battle buddies, our shipmates, our airmen, our devil dogs, all of that alongside us to fight the good fight with us. So it's important to not segregate, but rather bring people together during these kinds of times. Yeah, I think I think people do lose track of the fact that when a nation is, is is in conflict, it's the nation itself. It's not just the warfighter, so to speak. It's uh, we get tunnel vision a lot when we're we're out doing our mission. We're we're honing in because we have we have to we have to address the mission. Uh, you know, be aware of threats and and keep those next to us safe. But and and I know we've all had these discussions where we a lot of us do it for the the person to our left and right and the ones behind us. But the the toll, and I hope that in the future we can get into those discussions with with our civilian counterparts, our, our loved ones, whatnot, who whoever is willing to step into that and share that insight. Because you shared a little bit about it being a spouse, uh, but you you put yes. you played dual roles, and I could only imagine that even with your training and understanding of the military yourself, that it was still difficult. How is that? Well, they just have a lot the of civilian who, who has know, to manage. Who, see, that's what I mean when I say, I'm glad you brought that up. When I say that I, I at least was able to have um, something to distract me and keep me focused. Can you imagine those dependent, like fully dependent um, wives and husbands and children out there who have zero answers, have to wait for that phone call, have to wait for that email to come through the social media briefing or because we're now in a modern world. But they have to right. wait for these answers. Whereas I had something to distract myself. I'm not taking away from my experience because I had my own stuff, but I think it's important to acknowledge that of course. Um, those other people out there who they really are being loyal. I remember being a very loyal, faithful wife and being made fun of by my own service members for being loyal. Um, can you, yeah, it's, it's it a is. strange culture. Those, those people that are likewise like that, who aren't Jody's, they aren't, you know, hooking up with Jody's and yet they are. And for those who don't know what a Jody is, is a person who pursues a family member, a family member of a service member for usually a marriage for sex or some kind of quid pro quo. Um, and it's, it's yeah. considered to be very disrespectful because why that service member is out there putting their life on the line. Somebody back at home was trying to pursue. I always say that pursue your boo kitty, you know, they like going after you're going after the boo. You're going after the people that are supposed to be supporting you. Yeah. Boo kitty. You know, but <laughs> I like I'm gonna try to use that more often now. Take We're taking that. Um no, you're you're hundred percent right. And it's um you know, there's there's that person who dances in between two two cultures essentially. Uh even if we speak the same language, it's, it's very different, very different. Um that you reminded me right now when you said, you know, receive family members receiving emails, calls or whatnot and waiting on that. And early on, and again, I don't like to share too much of mine, but it, it just kind of supports what you said. Uh, my, my first tour uh, in Afghanistan, 
I think it was it was weeks, weeks before I even uh, reached out to my family. And yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't like it wasn't mission critical at the time. Yep. It was it was it was it was intentional more on on my part because I was just I was honed in on the mission and it went to the point where and and if my mom listens to this, she'll she'll probably tease me about it because she actually reached out to my (laughs) lieutenant's (laughs) wife and she was like, hey, you need to get your soldier because his mom is blowing up my (laughs) phone and hasn't heard from him and thinks he's dead. And I didn't know anything about it. I got pulled off one of my uh, one of my convoys, dragged by the hand like a five year old. Says, "Come on, get on here. Send an email to your mom. Uh, send her a call. Here's a, a, a calling card. I'll wait." I was like, "What? Jeez, okay." <laughs> He's like, "It's been weeks." I was like, "Weeks? I'm like, we, we've only been here for two. He's like, "No, no, we've been here longer than two weeks." I was like, "Oh, well, shit. I don't sleep, so you know, whatever." Yeah. So it's. A, it's- Important. So that was my it's thing important. every every you day. Know, I, I think it'd be good escorted. to have your mother, you know, if she's ever interested, or anybody's mom come on and, and see what it's like from a mother's perspective. See what it's like for a wife. See what it's like for a husband. I think um, dependent husbands get made fun of, and that's ridiculous. Um, we have one in the works, by the way, and, and we'll, we'll see if I can work it out because there, there are some mm-hmm. technical things we're working on, but there are some aspects we dip into your realm, and I would, I would probably – see if they're comfortable having you on there too as well, just as a absolutely a I support them because I feel like sometimes they get, they get silenced. And so, yeah, that's the gist of who I am. Um, the person that kind of advocates for the underdog. I love the underdog. I love the people that everybody else overlooks. I have a heart for those people. Um, I have a heart for those people that um, gets unseen, the unseen and the unsung heroes um, because uh, they deserve not, not for narcissism, not, not for self-promotion, not for that for them to be glorified and take away from someone else, but to rise them next to us as a part of our team so that they have an outlet too, because there's not a lot of resources out there for them. What about those people who get with a service member after service and are subject to all of our bullshit? You know, <laughs> I feel bad. Oh for my them. goodness. That is, there's a whole yeah, nother breed I, I of people bad for them because they oh, literally God. have no resources. They have nothing to draw from no um, help out there. Um, they're just now starting to be in, and I'll send you those resources too. And I was supposed to send you some last week for people yes. who are, go ahead. No worries. We got, <laughs> no, wait, no, I definitely we're, we'll get that up and running because that is just a, a basket of uh, fun stuff that these people are, are, yeah, are being handed. Know, they're, they're having to put up with <laughs> our stuff. You know, I mean, I, I've had um, romantic partners that after my service that have had to put up with more than they ever signed up for. They're, you know, they're like, my God, like, I, I didn't sign up for this crap. I just loved you. You know, I didn't realize that, that you came with bullshit <laughs> like that. Um, oh, yeah. Some people have to worry about, you know, finding out that their their significant other chews with their mouth open or, or snores. But with us, there's, PTSD there's much more things. And, 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 you know, not just it. PTSD, but anxiety, um, you know, hypervigilance. I mean, we, yes, yeah, so some of those things are symptoms of that, but there's also, in, you know, individuals who just experience one heightened symptom over the other because of their individual experiences. And you can't put a measure on a person's pain or experience. But the fact that people are willing to rise to the occasion and date people like us, <laughs> you know, with no resources <laughs> or support. You got that. You're, yeah, definitely. My goodness, we're, we're, we're catching into the last tail end of the five minutes or so, and, and you're more than welcome to take a little break and, and reset real quick to extend that time if you'd like. Um, but what I would like to offer for the last few minutes is maybe get an idea of what drawed you to the fire what team. What drew me to the fire team is, you know, um, I remember uh, being a part of the unit um, with Frank, your host, and... Um, the guy that started this dismount, the genius, the man, you know, and <laughs> I, um, you're welcome. Um, and I mean that and he, um, he was just going through a tough time. I won't get into all of it here, but he's going through a tough time. And I just kind of noticed that again, I told you the, I, I go for the underdogs and not that he was an underdog, but he wasn't being seen. He wasn't being acknowledged for who he really is as a soldier, a very outstanding soldier. And um, people were isolating them. And that's not something that you should do to your battle buddies, period. And we wonder why there's 22 a day. because we contribute to that with our 
are isolating one another and uh, keeping people at a distance. Um, and we have to acknowledge that. I'm getting tired of us not acknowledging that as a community. And um, I saw that. You've got to be the change you want to see in the world. It starts with you. If everybody acknowledged it and did it, the world would be a better place, especially for us as vets. And so I saw, you know, um, Frank in that position. And um, ever since then, we've been close, you know, good friends. And, um, and when he started asking some questions about how to navigate this process. Um, yeah, I did stay in the, in the background because, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch your battle buddies who are like family in a way that people will never understand who are on the outside. And that's not to say that to be inclusive or exclusive, but to say that when you see somebody that's like family rise up out of the ashes like a phoenix um, and be that change that you want to see in the world all because somebody was given a chance, you want to be a part of that, um, you know, because it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's nice to see um, your battle buddies, again, who are like family, come together on a project that reaches out to the veteran community and teaches them coping skills and gives them a form and a platform to reconnect without, as you say, re-enlisting. <laughs> so that's why, um, <laughs> that's what drew me to you into this podcast. That's that's awesome. We all we all need a little R and R, and that's kind of where yep. where I got that little thing Think from. Think of it as the USO of, um, of uh, podcasting. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I appreciate that you're here. I do. I do. I'm glad that you allowed me to have that space and also be that silent partner in support. Because a lot of times, just knowing that you have those people there, even if you don't reach out immediately or consistently, like they're always there. And yourself and, and some of the other guys on the team have expressed similar things as we started to kind of pull each other out and just just honestly by by talking with each other and reconnecting and and having someone to, to vent or lean on to or, or just just that familiar battle buddy for us uh, has made it easier for us to understand what we're going through, accept what we're going through and also just in turn reach out to others Absolutely. that we haven't talked it's to in important. a while. And we gotta we gotta lean on one another. And so I guess I'll just close with this is that and I, I tell people on on my motivation Mondays, which is a separate project and I'm, it's just to remind everybody you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where the growth is. Um yes. if we can settle yes. into the reality that life is just that way and just settle into the reality you're gonna screw up. You're gonna you're gonna mess up bad. And if you can just settle into that and say, hey, you know what? Okay, so I messed up. That doesn't mean I have to set back permanently or for a long period of time. I'm just going to do the next right thing. Um, and I'm going to settle in, dig my heels yes. into this discomfort. Because in that discomfort is a certain amount of growth if you let it, if you let it be. If you, <laughs> if you um, try to, to prevent it and stay in your comfort zone, you're going to learn that life has a way of pulling you out of that. So you might as well embrace it. So that's, oh, that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, that's excellent. Can you just uh, maybe throw out one because you mentioned the motivation Monday? Mm -hmm. I know it's on your YouTube. If you mind just throwing that out there and then maybe a, a point of contact Absolutely. if anyone wants I to have reach a, out. Um, a Facebook page that's um, Dr. Ashley Jordan. Um, and I got my little accolades there. That isn't to rub it in anyone's face. It's just to let everybody know that I've worked really hard on myself so that I can be a credible person to help you out because good grief, I needed a lot of work. I still do. Um, and you can reach me there. Um, if, and I, I take, I take people who, uh, want to talk and I don't charge anything for it, obviously, um, to help people if they're having moments of, um, suicidal ideation or, uh, even homicidal ideation, walk people through things where they're just, they're having the worst day of their life that day. And they just need someone to talk to that isn't going to judge them. Um, and I give them resources. And on that page, um, it's at, Facebook it has that little at symbol, Dr. Ashley Jordan. Um, yeah. And you can go there for a positive news. It's a positive news source. It's an uplifting news source. There's um, just things to keep you uplifted every single second of every single day. That's excellent. No problem. I appreciate that. Well, um, that was pretty good, and I would gladly do another hour with you. And we'll probably be doing part twos with everybody, but we'll leave it at that. We'll sign off for now. And that was that was Thanks wonderful. For having me. That was great. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Anytime. <laughs>